0: Good evening and you're very welcome to the 30th episode for this season of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie with myself, Brefni Early and of course, as always, Aaron Clark. Aaron, we've got plenty to talk about on the show tonight. First of all, welcome.
1: 30
0: episodes, wow. Been I know, a, it's fun. The World Cup kind of pushed us over the edge, though, to be fair. We, we did a couple of bonus ones around the World Cup. Um, but yeah, 30 episodes. We're getting close to the end of the season, at least the domestic season. There's only four or five games left in the Women's National League. We've three rounds left in the FAI Women's Cup. Uh, so really, we've only a couple of international breaks thrown in there as well. We're looking at maybe 10, 10 weeks to the end of the season. And uh, it's starting to take a bit of a familiar tone, uh, big wins for Piemont at the weekend, pushing them just a little bit closer to what has almost been inevitable for the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, big big wins, big big weeks ahead. So as you, as you say, the business end. What more, what more? What better? What better way to have football? Don't think we will have it as dramatic this year as we had last year, or we had the year before. I think um, the way things are going at the moment, one side seems to be just stepping up and and, and delivering on, on the big days. It's 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 great. It's it's, it's brilliant. Big week as well ahead, especially considering the FAI will give their side of the story as well a bit tomorrow regarding the Vera Powell situation. Jonathan Hill is finally going to speak to the media tomorrow morning to sort of outline theirs. While there'll be a lot about Stephen Kenny's future as well, it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say about Vera because they've kept very quiet. They've let the situation die down a bit and with the ramp up as you say, the North, to the Northern Ireland game coming up. Um it'll be it'll be interesting because the spotlight will be back on the women's game again tomorrow for the off the field stuff. But listen, on the field, another great weekend, a lot of goal scores, um some results probably a little bit surprised in, in terms of the nature than others, and yeah, it was a good weekend of football.
0: Yeah, no way team managed to get on the score sheet, even. Uh, and some fairly comprehensive victories for home sides in all of those games. Uh, Galway 2 0 victors against DLR Waves, that loaned five goals against Bowes, Wexford, and Shamrock Rovers 4 0 winners, respectively, over Treaty and Sligo, while Piemont and Cork was 5 0 as well. So, uh, all in all, uh, it, it was kind of predictable. We kind of talked about it last week on the show how it was a top half. Versus the bottom half, effectively, in, in almost acro- across the board. I'm holding accurate. your
1: hands up here. I'm holding my hands up here. I, uh, Wexford, Wexford people must have been listening to me last week when I said that I thought Treaty could get something out of the game. <laughs> I was wrong. Wow. They went and they went and got blitzed by, by
0: Wexford. But maybe let's start there then, because I think the game was effectively over after seven minutes. Um, Wexford scored a penalty, player sent off. Um, I've watched the 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 game back it was a huge turning point like Treaty were always going to be up against it against Wexford away but losing the player uh, particularly one who's been so key to them in the last few se- weeks since she joined in mid-season Sarah Power um it's a it's a big loss for them at such an early point in the game once once the penalty is scored it never really looks like it's going to uh, come back um their way and and, and it was really fairly Straightforward from there to the end of the game, really four 0 winners in the end.
1: The problem, with the problem is, Bethany, when you when you get when you lose a player so early in, in a game like this, especially when there is, there's no doubt there's a gulf between the sides. Treaty were Treaty were very good when they played earlier in the season, but to go ten against eleven for so long, probably you'd have to say Treaty probably done well to keep the scoreline to what they they kept it at because there's no doubt it's very it's very very difficult. Like, I know Wexford had a couple of youngsters as well playing. Nicole Nix made her debut in goal, um, former playing underage with Treaty as well. So, you know, they've, they've given a couple of runs to players. We've seen the likes of LMLI getting more minutes. I think you look at that sort of situation, and from Wexford, for a Wexford viewpoint, it was probably a, a really, really important result, especially with Bo, with Bowers dropping points. Like, we talked last week, could they get back into the top four? That's another big, big win from their, from their viewpoint. But from Treaty... The important thing for them is, it's how do they bounce back from it. But the disappointing thing from a treaty viewpoint is the fact that they're already FAI Cup. There's no league games the week after, so that that defeat is going to have a couple of weeks to stew and, and to fester. And it'll be interesting to see how Alvan is sort of reju- reju- rejuvenates them and sort of keeps them going because you always want to get that out of your system as quick as possible. And having to wait, having to wait a couple of weeks for a game, it can be it can be a bit difficult as well. And but I think, I think from Wexford, they've started the second half of the season quite well. They'll have to be really happy with how they, the first couple of games back after the break, barring the FA Cup was gone.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, Go United in town in three weeks' time, as you mentioned, um, is not going to be the easiest challenge either. Uh, uh, when that chance to, to kind of get that uh, momentum back up and running, uh, it's going to be a tough one for them. Of course, a couple of 3D girls playing with Galway as well. Uh, let's maybe move to. Um Tala, Sligo Rovers the visitors there, uh, we kind of predicted this one as well in, in the Clash of the Rovers, just probably too much experience too much guile on the Shamrock Rovers side of the fence and I think Onyo Gorman, two goals, two assists uh, reading back the years she's really enjoying uh, international retirement and just kind of have, playing with no pressure at the moment
1: I wonder is I link Lisa being on the phone again this week,
0: to see. I, don't, I know they've got a long-term relationship. They've, they've followed each other from club to club over the years with UCD and Piment or whatever. Um, I can't see only backtracking on this one. It's a, it's a difference. Like, although straight it's different, from it's, it's, different.
1: it's different to 2019. But in terms of listen, Ireland's Ireland's losses, Shamrock Rovers game, two go, two goals early on for them. It sort of makes the game really comfortable, and then it's it's a case of of, of Shamrock Rovers is how do they see the game out? Going two and a half time, probably happy enough, probably probably would have want one or two more and then come out early second half, score two goals and, and put the game to bed and it's, it's a comfortable enough night for Shamrock Rovers. For them, it was it was just as important to just get the three points. That was the main the main objective and for the, for them to do it and, and to win 4-0, I think Colleen O'Neill will be happy. He sort of said, as when, the, when they were coming back off the break, he wanted to go and beat until now till the end of the season, sort of put the pressure on p and that's all he can do is continue to win games, continue to, 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 to score goals and See where that takes them, but for them, it's, a, it's another part, it's another step in the right direction for Shamrock Rovers, and it ties it ties them up nicely on a, on a good momentum. They've won their first three games back. They've looked very good since coming back, and you know you'd have to say that the break is probably, the next break is probably coming. The week off is probably coming at the wrong time after the cup for Shamrock Rovers.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, you win 4-0 and the rivals go and beat uh, other side 5-0. It's, it's got to be frustrating. Even though you're putting out good performances and getting results, uh, not actually matching what your opponents are doing in that title challenge is uh, must be frustrating as well for Collie. Question for you, on your Gorman, the first goal, was it in- intentional? Did she know what she was doing when she hit that cross that kind of lobbed over Bonnie McKernan at the back of the net?
1: Anya will obviously always, always say yes. I think me and you as the, as, as the pundits will probably say no always, but Anya will always, Anya
0: will always say yes. Worrying for Sligo Rovers, I suppose. I know we've talked about them a good bit on the show, but there seemed to be a bit of a naivety at the back in terms of just, I know that the third goal was probably a, a mistake from the full-back, just gave Anya the space and then she did what she did. But uh, the header probably could have been dealt with better for the, the fourth goal. Um. Just kind of seemed to sneak in over the line through the goalkeeper's hands, and even the, the marking on the first one. What's missing there? Because we look back to the Sligo, it's a lot of the same players, it's a lot of the same staff uh, that were there when they were doing so so well last season. What can they do to try and bring back some of that? They probably they probably can't, and that's been
1: that's been totally honest. They probably can't. They're probably going to struggle to. Like the the one problem is is and we, you look at Sligo from from since they beat shells, they've really stagnated. When they beat shells last season, where other teams have sort of gone up a level, they've gone up in players, they brought additional players in, they brought more quality in. Where Sligo struggled to do that. Um, the one thing you would have to say from a Sligo Rover viewpoint, if they didn't have Casey Howe and Emma Doherty, you'd, you'd probably struggle to see where they're going to get any goal, any goals from, and that's not being disrespectful to them. Something's going to have to change. How are they going to get players in? They may have to get creative to get their to get their players in. But. The problem is, is they haven't been able to get the players in of the of the, quali- of the quality. Yes, you can bring in the Lockery sisters, but you, when you're only bringing in a limited number of players compared to when you see others, others around, they are strengthening them massively. Like, how are you going to compete? You can't compete, and it's it's difficult. And it's one of the problems of being where they're based is that where do you get the players from? You either have the choice if the players want to play up either play with, play with Sligo or they do they want to play up North or if Galway or Athlone come call, come calling teams who are probably a little bit more established in the league. The players are always going to go there, and I think the club are going to need to get creative. They're going to need to to do something. It's it's not just Sligo where we see this, but we see it with several National League clubs where they're going to have to get creative to get players in the door because at the minute the way they with the with the way they're going at the moment, if they don't, like where you, you, even even when they come up against even a Cork, where do you see the next win come from? Where do you see the next result coming from? And that's the hard thing at the minute.
0: Yeah, I suppose if we. You talk about creative opportunities to, to strengthen the team, and we look at that loan, not geographically not the most attractive place maybe for people either in terms of education options. I know um, Toos is there now, but it wouldn't be the same, um, I suppose, a- academic – credentials to a potential Leaving search student as maybe a, a UCD or, or the bigger universities or the more established universities as well but they've gone international and they've brought in some really strong players, three of their goals this weekend coming from um, former Monmouth University athletes, uh, Dana Sch- Sheriff and uh, Maddie Gibson on the uh, hugely influential for them and I know they've signed two or three more from the college as well, is that an option that we could be looking at for more clubs because of how it seems to have worked for Athlone Has it worked for Athlone?
1: It's dangerous. It's dangerous because we we like we will go back and touch on on the Athlon game in a minute. But like you look at shells, has it worked properly for shells when with the with the players from coming in from America? Some of them have worked. Some of them haven't worked, and the problem is is it's a little bit of hit and miss. It's how are you gonna attract the right player from from a or rover's viewpoint? Do they have a budget or do they have a capacity to do to try to do that? Probably not. But like. You look at even from an Athlone viewpoint for the first for the first while, like Scarla Hare traveling there, the players traveling from other parts of the country as well that aren't based in Athlone as well. So, like, it's a difficult it's a difficult one to say. Just bringing in some some foreign players it might it might well work. It might well be it might well work. It might well give you a bit of extra quality, but like, it, it it's going to take a lot of commitment from. Them and, I just, I just struggle to see where, both financially and sort of off the field, where, th- where something's going to come to sort of help Sligo. Because there's no doubt about it. Like, you look at Shamrock Rovers, the wage bill of Shamrock Rovers, the players they can attract. Colleen Elander in the window. Look at the players you just brought in. Joy Ralph, Scarlett Heron, sort of Teague and Ruddy. It's sort of a case of, I need additional players. There you go. Go and get them. Whereas, for the likes of Sligo, for the likes of Sligo like, the the financials aren't there. We know that like is it is it better links needed with the college to maybe try and get people on Erasmus over for a year and and do and with things like that is it something like that, that that may help because I
0: think even the um but you mentioned some of the players there in atlone I think um or or the places that bringing in sorry, I think when you talk about players coming into clubs it's not even a money thing, it's much easier to no. attract a player when you're second, third in the league, when you're yeah. second, or last in the league, and that's that's an issue as well um, or, you've done th-
1: something. or you've done something in the previous season where players like oh I like what was done there,
0: let me go there But Sligo had an impressive season last year, uh, even on the whole it was a decent first run at the season the first half it was particularly impressive um, surely that's that negates that argument. You would have thought so you would have thought so, but
1: like that's that's the problem, and that's where we that's where maybe it'd be interesting to hear someone from the club to what struggles they're actually having. Because realistically, from from a, from a league viewpoint, a, a, a Sligo Rovers, a Cork City teams like that struggling in the league, it's not good for the league. We need them to be thriving. We need them to be to be to be pro- progressing and, and to sort of be continuing to push up because. The worst, the one problem with the league is we don't want to see it to it, and it's getting to the stage now where we've sort of got a top, a top, a top uh, six, bottom five sort of situation. Well, we don't want that. That's that's the one thing that sort of makes the football, makes the league a lot worse. We sort of need a, a competitive league. So, like, it'd be interesting to, see, to hear like the likes of them sort of teams what their struggles are, how they're because you know, I'd say I'd say some of it's financial. and I'd say there's other things going on that sort of. in a couple
0: of barriers. It's funny though because you you talk about a kind of a split tier we've talked about the tiers within the league it used to be three tiers now it's kind of two tiers really um within the the competitiveness of the league more teams are joining those top sides uh, we're seeing the likes of Bowles and Galway really up there competing with Wexford Rovers Shells and, and Piemont um at loan as well you could throw in there I suppose given their results last weekend but also over the last uh, 18 months or so but if we look up north of the border which you touched on um there's a very similar kind of position up there You're, they're looking at a top five effectively the five that took part in the um, in the Avenir Sports Cup uh, Glenn Thorne right down to Science Swift's in the league table but beneath that there's a big gap it's almost 10 points between them and Lisburn and back and another 10 points back to learn uh, before Derry and Mid-Ulster and, and kind of Ballymina Are we in a situation where we could be looking maybe with the the growth of the game at underage level and particularly when we look at some of the clubs that have come through at under-17, under-19 in the last few seasons, like likes of Cove, Drogheda, uh, Dundalk, Longford uh, and others coming into the league, um, even Bray Wanderers. Could we be looking at a situation where we are looking at a combined league. Is that more realistic in the women's game than in the men's game? Is it something that we should be looking for maybe where we take six from the north, six from the south, or even five and seven as we have based on the results um, and put them into a single 12-team division and make a first division in each jurisdiction effectively uh, with the rest and the newbies? Because... Like the DLRs, Treaty Sligo Cork on this year's forum would be competitive, and probably even be the best sides in a second division. Effectively against some of those sides we've just mentioned, and less daunting for the likes of those under underage teams to become senior clubs if they know they're not going to have to go to Shamrock Rovers or P-Mount in their first season.
1: It's a, it's, a, it's a very valid question. I had seen a bit written about something similar. I do think the the women's will be a lot easier to do than the men's, hundred percent. I absolutely think it'd be, it'd be a lot easier to do and it, it'd probably give a better compelling competition because me and you sort of had conversations earlier in the year when the Avenir Cup was announced sort of wondering, would it be good? Would it be bad? Would teams take it serious? Would they not take it serious? And we sort of seeing across the board, teams took it serious and, and how, how good the competition was. So like, there's definitely scope there for, for conversation around, around that. Would it work? Yes, there's a couple of questions. There's still some key things that would need to be earned out in terms of... Things like European spot, what would happen? Would Ireland get a second European spot? Would one go to each country? What? There's, there's a lot of things, but realistically, there's no reason why them sort of conversations shouldn't be explored because we talk, and I'm sick to death of, of saying, talking like this, when we talk about the curve of women's football. This could be a potential to actually get both the Northern Irish League and the League of Ireland here for, for the women on a, on a massive upward trajectory it's definitely something that conversations would have to, what you'd like to think conversations may have happened considering the success of the Avenir cup. Is it, is it, is it, is it a short term thing? Could it happen to the short term? It'd probably be a couple of years down the line if something like that was to happen, but there's no harm in saying and saying that sort of thing and, and sort of exploring that because I think we need to do something no matter what we do. We need to do something because You you sort of said a minute ago about we used to be in like a a three tier league. We're probably in danger still of going back to something like that, to where we've got even from. If you look, if you look from the league table, you've got say a a DLR treaty, or or a gap ahead of say a a Cork and Sligo, and then you could even say there's a there's there's another gap then, but below say below below, say Shamrock Rovers, and you know, and I'm all for one that's that's going to have positive positive impact and. I wouldn't be against it. I'd sort of think it'd be something that, you know, you'd love to explore. Like I said to you before, I don't think the Avenir Sports Cup the way it is at the minute is is, is a runner just with the with the way it was done this year, it was done for a filler, but it's something that I think will 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 hopefully continue, even if it's spread out over the year, it's spread out over different over a different different format. But like it would definitely it would definitely give the teams, the lower teams in both divisions an opportunity to grow if we did have something like this
0: yeah i think it's something that we need to look at and, and i think the you've touched probably on the most important thing there from a player and a club point of view is that european place now in reality um seven of the 11 teams or even eight of the 11 teams in the in the league of ireland the premier division are not concerned about the champions league place because they're not really in the shake up for it even at the start of the season they kind of know it's not really going to affect them uh, but at the same time i think it should be I'd love to see a combined league much like Belgium and Luxembourg had back in the day in, in the Benelux countries in terms of um, of having a combined professional league or even semi-professional league, which is possibly sustainable, uh, maybe on a 10-team basis in terms of funding from either side protect the Champions League spots for each association. So the highest ranked team from each association goes in there. But I think that's all you protect after that. You put maybe five teams from both sides in for season one. And after that, it's fair game. Whoever goes up, goes up. Whoever comes down, comes down. And you have a playoff system between the bottom sides uh, and the top two in the in the next uh, tier down. So if you win your your the Republic of Ireland or the Northern, Ar- Northern Ireland table, you go into a playoff system, you play each other and then you might play, or you both go up and the bottom team comes down or two teams come down or whatever it might be. Uh, and I think you'll find a balance fairly quickly. I think the, the, the top sides up north, the likes of Strikers, Cliftonville, um, Linfield, Simon Swift, they'll they'll compete at that level. I don't think the rest beneath would. And I think the same is true in, in the Premier Division. But could you imagine if you took the top five out of the women's Premier Division, added in a couple of those uh, smaller sides that will come in and have the same effect straight away as, as Treaty and Sligo and Cork have, really, at the moment, in, in my opinion?
1: Maybe a little. There's, bit. One, there's one thing I wouldn't like down though. Coming into this show and hoping to predict, Gabs. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, well, I think for everybody, I think results last week where we saw what an aggregate of 20 nil uh, home side versus away side over five games, that's not good for anybody. It's not good for the teams winning. It's not good for the teams losing. It's not even good for the sponsors and the people going to the games. So we need to get more um, level. And I think given the size of the game, given the size of the country, um, I think and, and given the probably the the small nature of the interest in the league, it's still very niche, even within football circles, despite the World Cup success for the Republic and the European Championship success for the for the North. It's still fairly niche. The average football fan on the street, um, A, doesn't care about the domestic league for the most part, and the ones that do don't really care about the women's football either in, in huge numbers. So um, you're only really talking about a couple of diehards that are going to be uh, annoyed about this. And I think it's positive, so I don't even think there's going to be that much of an annoyance about it. I think the two associations should take that as an opportunity to start looking towards maybe down the line combining um, the leagues, uh, maybe for the men's as well. There are other opportunities down the line as well. I'm not going to get into them on this show, but um, there would be opportunities there to kind of see what's possible in a, in a fairly isolated event that it kind of makes sense for.
1: 100% like We've seen in other sports how, how it works and it, and it works very well. And that's that's the biggest thing. And I think like the, the one thing that people need to realise is we're not saying this because we think, you know, we just want we just want what's best for football in this country. That's the biggest thing. It's not about if the FAI can can do something or they think they can get a sustainable way that we can build our league to where our league is great by itself. You know, we're all for it. We're happy to support it in any way we can. But at the minute... There's a there's a massive gap between where the league is to where the league needs to get to to help even international football, like even to look at things like Champions League, things like that. There's so much of a gap to where Irish clubs want to get to to where they actually are at the minute. And like anything that can help is, is important. And I think like as you see, you touched on with the score lines at, at the aggregate at the weekend, like it's not that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. And 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 the funny thing is, you look at some of the results from the weekend, like the one for me that stood out. Like the bow bow's being beaten five now. Yeah, bow's hadn't bow's a good conceded 13 get 13 goals all season before that game, and then they then they nearly go and what well, they concede they concede five more to bring up to 18 goals after. So, like, they've conceded they conceded more than what 25% of their go- more than 25% of their goals in one weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've been totally sidetracked, of course, from the games that took place last weekend uh, by fantasizing about what could be done with the, the league in this country. Let's just finish off the results of the weekend from last week. Uh, P. Mount Cork, Ellen Dolan, three goals from her, um, sealed the deal early on, really, um, in the second half with her second goal, Albert Braley's uh, first to, to put some training up, and then it was kind of open season from there on in. But in terms of um, P Mount. If you look at the attacking players they've lost in the last six to eight months, uh, and they're still producing a youngster that can come out and score a hat trick in a game, um, it's impressive what they've been doing there over the years, isn't it?
1: It's not the funny thing is it's not even just one youngster. That's the funny thing. It's not even just one youngster. It's it's multiple youngsters. That Jess Fitzgerald as well. Like and then you are looking at over the years, you have to think the likes of Della you played with them before going to Wexford. They're just constantly just churn that player out churn that player out but for me I think the biggest thing is is the fact that everybody says oh they lose Kate only top scorer who's going to score them goals Ellen Doolan scored four and two games yeah. you know and it, it, it's just a, a young kid taking a chance and sort of saying listen I'm good enough the one thing I will say and you probably have to you'd kill me for saying this but James O'Callaghan has to be a, a massive red hot favourite the minute for, for manager of the year for what he's done whether they win the league or don't win the league because of the fact that it's six starters walk out the dressing room starting year. Six big, high-profile players.
0: I'm that. going to play devil's advocate for a moment, right? Um, mm-hmm. I 100% agree with you. In terms of the results, I think he's the standout candidate for manager of the year. I know he watches the show, so I'm sure we'll get some stick over that uh, via text in the next little while. But um, in terms of let, – let's play devil's advocate for a moment. Those players have been at the club for the past few years as well waiting in line, waiting for their opportunity. And they've watched players with bigger reputations and bigger experiences walk out the door. And arguably they've come in and done better than the players that were there that left. Should they have been given their chance before now? No. No.
1: What? Some of them are just too young. Some of them are just too like Dolan is only—I think Dolan only sixteen. with Sherrill is only sixteen. The play these are sort of players wouldn't have even been eligible for eligible to play national league in previous years. And for me, like you look at, there's a lot of things when I look at P Mount. That's one of the main things I look at is in games where you you sort of look where it comes down to the crunch. It's close like on their sort of games they lose. They don't necessarily get over the line last year. I think it's a mentality thing as much. There's no doubt they had a hangover from 2021. There's absolutely no doubt about it, and that that scarred a lot of it. But like some of the player, when when you, when you lose players, you bring. He you, you seems to have been able to bring in other players who maybe hadn't been doing well or not necessarily doing well at clubs, hadn't been great for the club. Like Kaimi Mooney's a prime example. Kaimi only didn't have a great season last year for DLR, albeit the year before she'd done a ACL, so she was back towards the end of that year. Last season she was okay for DLR. She'll tell you herself. Where this year she just got into a female dressing room and excelled. Like for me. I think the biggest thing, he, the biggest thing he managed to do when it, it comes down to loyalty was car- keeping Karen Duggan. Yeah, because once you kept Karen Duggan, you've kept the spine of your team. Because once... it stopped
0: the rot. Like because yeah. there was players going every week, we'd hear rumors, we'd see, hear an announcement, and then Karen came out and said, "I'm staying," and it seemed to almost just put that sink or put the plug, the plug back in the sink, and and what was left stayed. And he brought in a bit of quality around that as well from other places. So, but it's yeah. not, it's
1: not even it's not even the qualities brought in. And there's players like Chloe Maloney. Like and I've said it before, Chloe Maloney years ago shouldn't have been anywhere near a national league team. She was tall. She wasn't as good. Now look at the actual way she stepped on. Her performances this year would have to put her in line to be in and around the team of the year. That's the way her performances have been. Her and Jeddah Barrel at centre back. Like Jeddah played as a winger previously. Yeah, you know what I mean. And the two of them have just been unbelievable. Like and I think they deserve so much credit for for the way they've they've come on and and they've they've formed that partnership and. Like the likes of James, Brian or Sullivan, they've just instilled a lot of confidence in that in that side. And that's the biggest thing at the minute, is they're playing with confidence. They're playing with, I don't think they have a massive fear because they realise it's just one game. And I think that's the mentality that they have. They don't have this fear that, oh, have four games left, we have five games left. They're just like, it's one game. Even yeah. if you speak to any of them, they will not speak about a game two weeks down the line. They will not, where you might have got it previously. Now it's just, let's talk about this game that we just played next week. And that's it.
0: Yeah, Barrel had the pleasure of working with her a decade or so ago as well when she was in college, and a uh, fabulous player, great attitude, and and but I saw her in the first game against Sligo Rovers, maybe the second game of the season against Sligo Rovers this year, and I thought it was just to counteract. Uh, the pace of Emma Doherty, that she was put centre-back for one game. But she's been a revelation at centre-back, and she's really filled that gap excellently. Um, five, no, for them, they stay top of the table. They're nine points clear of Shells and Shamrock Rovers. Uh, they, of course, will get the bye week, the first week back in, at the end of September. So um, that's... Up in the air as to how that's going to work out. Shells and Shamrock Rovers, uh, we will talk about it in more detail later, but they do have two dicey enough uh, fixtures in that round: away way to DLR and away to Wexford. They could, in theory, drop points, um, or you you know, wouldn't be certain that they would pick up all three points on those. So uh, you, mean, you, mean, to- you mean you mean you mean you mean a way to Galway, no but not DLR. <laughs> it's, it's a way real- to go a
1: way to Wexford, and a way to Galway. They played DLR in a week. Um, we must have got
0: a fixtures wrong, but um we have the other way around anyway. Not to worry. Um, in well, terms of
1: they're, they're the two games that you, you sort of have to look, but then again, the other side of it is if they if they beat treaty and that's the same week that Shelburne plays Shamrock Rovers, if they beat treaty in, and and Shell Shamrock Rovers turns a draw, that midweek game against against Wexford, they could win the league,
0: yeah. It's uh, it's interesting times ahead for all involved in PRL Park. Um, have we got through all the games? I'm not sure if we had. We talked about Wexford Youth Treaty. We did do that. We game. didn't.
1: Re- we didn't really touch on Athlone and Atalone Bowes.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that because it's the American invasion there, and it's been it's been a success for Athlone. Like we've looked at the players that came in, the Canadian girls from Treaty, and it has to a certain extent worked for them. They've definitely improved, but the players that alone have brought in—I don't know who their whose agent they work with—but um, the remember, it, it, it,
1: it, it's agent Sharif. It's a- <laughs> a- agent Sheriff. Remember, yeah. <laughs> she brought in Nadi Gibson. She probably she probably getting that little feel. Help me, help me, help me. Who do you want next? But like, come here. I'm gonna. I'm. I, I'm. I. I know. I'm friends with the lads. The lads and Bows. I get on great with the lads and Bows. But it's just been a disaster since the break for Boss. Absolute disaster. That last P-Mount where. P. man score late on, and then the, the nil all draw. And put, no, no disrespect, it was a poor game against Galway. Then the magnitude of the defeat against Athlone. It's like you think at times they take they take two step one step forward, and then two steps back. Like it's, I don't know if it's a fear. I don't know if it's a bit of a fear with blows at times. The players at times because you expect them to go out in these sort of games and sort of f- and do well. You you think they might get a result, and then all of a sudden. It's just like as if they go into shutdown mode, capitulate, and, and just sort of give the opposition like the the, 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 the easy enough three points. From an Athlone viewpoint, though, Athlone apart from the loss to Shells, Athlone have been going great in the last number of weeks. And I think Kilduff is starting to get is get get a little bit of a feel in there with the, with the side and how he wants them to play. And him and Ken Cairn are, are doing great work. Um, like I know we'll preview the FAI Cup later, but like you you sort of look for At-Lon, from an Athlone viewpoint and think. They could pick up a lot of points between now and the end of the season, and sort of can they can they push for the likes of a a Bowles and Galway? I know they're seven points behind Galway, but they've a game in hand. Could they maybe finish fourth if they if they were to finish fourth or fifth? Would they class that as a good season considering the start they've had the, the way they the way they started out the season? Probably yes, and you know they they want to be getting back to another FAI Cup final. and They're just hitting the stride at the, at the right time. That astro down there seems to be working wonders for them because they always seem to be seem to be getting good results down there as well. And like fair play to and you know, Listen, we are massive fans of Tommy U. And when Tommy left, we were disappointed. But like they, the the players have kicked on in the, in the in the last couple of games before the break, and then since the since the international break, they really get behind Kieran and Ken.
0: Yeah, big game for them at the weekend. Of course, they face uh, Piedmont United. Uh, but there were fancy little chances in that game. Uh, one person I want to talk to about in that game, we talked about the Americans at length, but Isabel Ryan, youngster coming through the club, her second appearance, first start, and within 13 minutes she has the ball in the back of the net. Fairly cool, cam finish from her as well at the back post after good work from, uh, I think it was Maddie Gibson down the left-hand side. Um, She's one for the future for the club? But I think that the,
1: Yes, and the one thing we're talking about is we're talking about all these young kids we talked about earlier in the season, talked about Hannah Healy, I mentioned Jets with Gerald earlier, it's great to see we're talking about these young kids, and we're not necessarily talking about all these players that are coming in, like, yes, Dana, Dana set, set up to go, but, but like, you look at, these, they've no fear a lot of these youngsters, and that's what I love about them, they come into this National League level, and they're just like, you know what, I'm here to play football, it's not necessarily, oh, this is this player, I'm playing against this player, they don't care, there's no massive reputation when it comes to the, the older players for a lot of these youngsters. They just come and play football, and you're right. Uh, it, a name we'll definitely be hearing an awful lot about in the, in, the, in the next couple of years.
0: I think it's also a sign of how successful the under-17, under-19 leagues, particularly the under-17 league, I think, uh, seems to be a little bit more competitive in terms of actual player development. People. Someone... I think I've
1: seen, I think I've seen, a, um, I've seen something last uh, earlier on today from last night. Shells beat Shamrock Rovers 3-2. I think it was 3-2 in an under-17s under game. Um, Hannah Healy scored in the game. I think that's. I, think I read it was Shells' twenty eight win on the bounce at under-17s level for, for win.
0: Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. But It shows the technical ability these players coming through. They have no fear. They're capably good enough. They're technically good enough. Mentally, they're, they're up to the challenge as well, and uh, it's really impressive. And the future is very, very bright for us. Let's take a quick look at the league table if we just uh, –
1: just before, yeah. just before we do, uh, we we only briefly touched on it. Galway again, Galway against uh, uh, DLR Waves on TG Car. Go away, Galway, go Galway, they just know how to grind out wins at times. They just know how to a record crowd as well in Amon DC Park, and, and things are things are things are going quite well. for From them in the Phil Trail, will be happy. They move ahead of Bowes in the, in the table at the fourth place. Sort of eyeing up if the teams above them drop some points, can they can they get third? I think that's going to be the, that's going to be what they're looking at now in the next in the next run in the game for DLR season. Just continues to be more and more difficult, struggling to get a struggling to get a win at the at this stage. And will
0: DLR struggle to hold on to players at the end of the season? I think so. I think so again.
1: But it's it, and it's sad at that extent that since the windows just seem to have got them the last couple of years because it's very difficult to compete with what the other Dublin clubs can offer at the minute. And it's like we we talked about Sligo. The only way, the only way I really see DLR surviving in the long term is if they can get back amalgamated with UCD and sort of get the scholarship opportunities back for the for the players. Because otherwise, I think it's going to be a real, real struggle. They're losing players out the door. Sponsorship, obviously, probably isn't isn't really a massive thing there. How long will the council fund continue to throw funding in towards it? So it's a it's a it's a difficult. It, I think it's definitely a difficult period ahead for DLR. Yeah, it doesn't
0: look great for them. Eh? given how this season is gone. But I suppose we will see how that pans out. I know uh, they have plenty of experience within the club and they've got through uh, bigger problems than this over the last few seasons as well. So uh, we'll see how it happens. Anyway, in terms of that, let's take a quick look at the league table. Here is uh, how it stands at the moment. Of course, Permanent United top of the table by nine points. They will we'll not play in the next round of league games, of course, they're in action this weekend. Shell's Shamrock Rovers joint on 34 with the game less played than the PMI, P's, which actually puts them two wins behind uh, or three wins behind but with, with that game in hand. Uh, Galway, best of the rest in fourth place, back just ahead of Bowes, Wexford and a little bit further back at Lone Town, Before that gap, we talked about back to DLR, Treaty Sligo and Cork still struggling at the bottom of the table and uh, not a whole pile of green shoots for them at the moment in recent weeks. But uh, they do face each other again, I think, in a few weeks' time. So hopefully they will uh, be able to pick up a few points and get some momentum possibly going uh, for them on that end of things. Uh, Aaron, we'll move on. We might talk about the international break before we talk about the FAI Cup. And um, we got news today of the, I suppose, first of all, obviously. If you're, unless you're hiding under a rock, you know that Ireland are playing Northern Ireland in the Aviva. On Saturday week, kickoff, I think is at 1 o'clock, uh, and it's going to be a really good day. Do make every effort you can to get to the game Um It's going to be a huge celebration of everything women's football. The World Cup is part of it. But I think also the 50 years before that that led to that, it's all going to be uh, brought to a head, I think, on that day and a really good opportunity just to come along and show your support for the game. Please make an effort to go along. Uh, Tickets are available. You'll find them if you just Google uh, the game. I think Ticketmaster are the preferred option, but you'll find them wherever uh, they are. Um, Aaron, we're both going. It's going to be um, a big game for Ireland Eileen Gleeson, who we're both familiar with, uh, is in the hot seat for these two games against Northern Ireland and Hungary. Um, in terms of her support staff, the coaching ticket was announced today. Former Cork City manager Colin Healy, of course, uh, Irish international of note uh, in his own right some 20 years ago with Celtic and Ireland. This um, is her sister manager. Emma Byrne, of course, record caps holder for Ireland, uh, former captain and, uh, and I suppose... All round leader of the Irish women's team for a generation uh, is another assistant coach, and then they have uh, Richie Fitzgibbon in as the goalkeeping coach. Uh, your thoughts in principle on on the coaching ticket?
1: Healy is probably the biggest surprise for me. Um, don't really know what his what his connection is, or if he's any much of a background when it comes to the, to the women's game. We all know what he, he was manager of Cork when they got promoted in the, in the men's. It's 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 a, it's a ticket that's. For me, it raises a few eyebrows because you'd love to know how they sort of got to the dynamics of bringing in Colin and Colin Healy, Emma Byrne and Richie Fitzgibbon. I think Emma Byrne is a is a clever is a clever milf for me because I think Emma Byrne will help to sort of link Eileen and the squad. Emma's a really popular popular character. She she's played with a lot of these players as well, so I think that'll help an awful lot. The one thing, the one question I would have is is what is Emma's role? You know, yes, you've named her as an assistant coach, but what is Emma's role? I think a lot of people, when they see Emma Bourne probably would have thought she, she'd either come in as an assistant manager or she'd come in as a goalkeeping coach. I don't think anybody thought she'd come in as an assistant coach. Is it to give her a bit of experience? Because I don't think she has an awful lot of. I don't. I don't re- recollect from 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 memory and from doing a little bit of research of her actual coaching clubs. I know she's done like coaching ki- coaching kids and stuff like that. She has co- she has coaching badges. I think. She's either got a UEFA B or she's got a UEFA A, so she has got some of her coaching badges and like she the stand biggest...
0: with with a massive or massive background in the coaching side of the game. Punditry, yes, uh, former player, yes. I, I think she's a good appointment, but I would be very skeptical of of why she's there, or what she's going to bring to the table in a coaching sense. The rest That's... of it top notch but that's, that's the that's the biggest question
1: i think is what is she actually going to bring and a coaching because yes yeah, she's played in goal so if she's not a goalkeeper coach she's just there as an assistant coach what is she actually going to do is she going to take part to the day-to-day session i think that's probably something that we'll have to wait and hear from from eileen to, to what exactly her role is going to be is it just going to be to help her to, to give her a bit of experience in and around the international setup as well i, I, I think colin healy could work and um, for the time being you look at Stephen Rice spent some time in with him with the side before they've had others others come in who've who've, had, who've who've worked in the men's game and then sort of gone off on, on different directions to come in and have a, do a bit of stuff with them. And when I've heard like these sort of coaches coming in, I've heard I've heard good things. Like in I hope the he I hope the Healy one help the Healy situation helps.
0: i like Is Colin Healy flying a kite for the full time manager's role?
1: I don't know. See the problem is is and it'll it'll be coming off a lot more clear tomorrow. I think when Jonathan Hill speaks to the media, if the FAI decide to get rid of Stephen Kenny, I don't think they will until the end of the campaign. Does that reduce their ability to get a, a how would you say a higher profile manager in now because of the budget that will be needed for the men's manager? That's the question I have, and that's the sort of I'm interested to see what way they got what way they're going to go about it. Like there's been some coaches that have sort of been not named. I know. I've heard some names that are being sort of dropped as would they potentially, like the one name that's always linked to it as well as Colin Bell has always linked to Ireland again after, with, a, with a comeback game. Um, given the way he ra- left ra- the last time. Randy, Randy Weldrum, the Nigeria coach link. The thing is, we don't know until the FAI sort of put out for tender the manager's role, then we won't really know. It hasn't. I don't think it has gone out to tender yet as to as to who. So I think they're just sort of looking at it as. As let's let's just get through these couple of games because the problem is it was always going to be a short gap between the World Cup and the, the opening games. I do envisage Eileen Gleason being in charge for at least a double header against Albania in October. I can't envisage uh, a new manager being in place before then. Colin Healy could well be putting himself in the shop window. I don't think it's a bad idea from if he wants to get back in the, if he wants to get back into the management to, to sort of say if he's good enough. I think we'll see an awful lot out of him. We'll hear an awful lot about about him in the next week or two in terms of how he deals with, with women's footballers. But like, the thing is, we're seeing more and more people, even from within the men's game and within the League of Ireland game, sort of take dipping their feet into the, into the women's game. And some of them, when they tend to dip their feet into the women's game, some of them tend not to go back to the men's game.
0: So oh, that, I, I'm a huge believer in that. Once you've done, once you've got involved with the women's game, it's way more enjoyable than the men's on a whole load of, of, of reasons. I that's why we do the show. That's why this podcast. I think
1: is- I think the biggest thing from Colin Healy is I think it even if he even if he isn't in the in the running for the for the job full time, there is potential opportunities that could open by him being in and around the women's setup as well. I think he'll learn an awful lot. I think likewise. I think. I think Eileen will learn an awful lot. Your your concern would obviously be the fact that we don't want to see people double jobbing. We we've seen we, we had this conversation a bit la, a bit last week as well, and like that's that's your you wondering We don't want what we used to have in the F where people are doing multiple roles and sort of it's a area of women's manager or not. I don't think Eileen will get a full time. I think Eileen will take probably three or four games and and that's it. Who do you bring in? I'm, I'm not sure. We haven't really mentioned Richie Fitzgibbon. I don't think we know an awful lot of
0: no. I'm not of fair. Him. But I, I've, I have heard some positive stuff about him today. So um, he's obviously from the coach education section within the FAI and he's another FAI staff member as well.
1: The one thing I will say is we, we sort of expected the coaching ticket to be along the lines of some FAI staff members. Some people sort of coming in as an intermediary just to, to give support. The one thing is, and it's probably a bit for him, it's probably a bit of a kick in the teeth unless he decided he didn't want to be involved. Is Tom Elms not being involved considering Tom Elms was the assistant manager under Vera Powell that was probably a lot of people's obvious choice to be the temporary interim manager. And then when it, when it was sort of announced that it, that it was going to be Eileen, I think a few eyebrows are raised as to why was it not Tom and then see Tom not involved as well. It's it's one that's thrown up a couple of, a couple of more questions as to what's going on. Why is Tom not being involved? Why is Tom not involved? I'm sure we may hear either from Eileen or potentially from Jonathan Hill in the, tomorrow why that decision was made. But the thing is... We now know the management ticket. The one thing I will say, and I don't I do mean to sound bad when I say this, but maybe having Emma Byrne as part of your coaching ticket might put a few more bums on seats as, as well and might help a few more people because Emma Byrne is involved. They might they might go. Um like I'm just really hoping that we get a massive crowd. Like for me, what do you call success is 30,000 success in the Aviva state in the Aviva Stadium. The good news is the upper bowl is opened. So that's the good thing. And every time I look, it seems to be a new block. So it seems to be that they're making progress in, in terms of ticket sales. But what it, what success is, it will be interesting to, to, to quantify. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a busy week or to, week or so ahead. The only one thing I will say for people listening, the squad hasn't been announced yet. We haven't got a confirmation just yet of when the squad's announced. But I suspect that if it's not announced tomorrow, it'll either be Friday or, Friday or Saturday at the latest when we will get the Ireland squad announced.
0: What do you expect? Any surprises within that? I know we've been tracking players uh, online um, over the last few. I suppose, over the last few uh, weeks uh, as they go on. Denise Sullivan, captain of North Carolina Courage, they won the NWSL Challenge Cup at the weekend. Huge moment for her. We've seen some other players. Caitlin Hayes, we've spoken about the podcast, Not, never played for Ireland. She's 27, English-born, playing in, in Celtic, uh, but Irish-eligible. Could we see her included? Nic- Nicole Douglas, uh, another English girl with uh, Irish eligibility. She's playing in America as well. Um, right down through that list, we're seeing players. Will Dan Caldwell be involved? Has she played her last game for Ireland? 35 years of age, still doing the business. Uh, in the Women's Champions League and in Switzerland as well this season so we've seen a fairly um, mixed bag, Birmingham City there's a big Irish contingent there, not going their way in the championship, albeit after only two games they're having a a poor start to the season will that have an effect, Grace Maloney's come in done quite well um, at London City Lionesses as well, Hayley Nolan missed out in the World Cup squad, has been impressive for Crystal Palace they're top of the championship could we see some of these, Tyler Tolins back in England as well, new manager, will we see her back Uh, thoughts on all of that?
1: Um, I can't see I can't see Caitlin Hayes coming into an Ireland squad I don't mean to be disrespectful to Caitlin but I, I think there's better players than than Caitlin Hayes in terms of I know the clamour on social media for Caitlin to come in in terms of Tyler Toland I just want conversations to happen around that I don't think she'll be back in I think it's too early for her, but I just want conversations to happen around that um, I think it's too early for Alan Malloy Neil fairly fairly will Farley got a call back up that that's an interesting one with the move to england haley nolan i do suspect will be back in the squad scored a lovely goal at the weekend i think we'll get probably 21 22 of the world cup squad i do i i have a feeling though that we won't see four goalkeepers in the squad I have a feeling that I don't think we're going to see four goalkeepers in the squad. And if we do, we will be disappointed. There's no need for that. And then that was something that's caused a lot of controversy at the, at the World Cup, bringing no disrespect to Sophie Whitehouse. But I think bringing a four goalkeeper is not really the the right move. I think she will name 27, 20, probably 27 players in the squad, and she bring in a slightly bigger squad. So to see who comes in, and we probably will see one or two surprises. There's always that. Eileen yeah, will probably look to have her little stamp on it. Could we see Claire Walsh? Could we see Emily Whelan coming back? Potentially Diane Caldwell there hasn't really been much chatter about her in the last couple of weeks. Will she come back? Won't she come back? If she's not named in the squad, maybe I expect to see her retirement if she... The problem for her with, with being on 96-97
0: Is it an opportunity for players like that, um, and even with Onyo Gorman for example um, to bring them back in for this one game have them in the squad as a as a thank you or are we gone past that now at this level of the game? I don't want that. Anya Gorman surely deserves uh, to be on, not necessarily on the pitch on on Saturday week, but but definitely to be for. I I don't know. I just think that I
1: disagree. Start- I I disagree. I think the FAI should do a presentation that looks Anya on, on the on, on the pitch before the game to say that's thank true. you. Um, I I don't. The one thing I don't want, and I don't want it to start under oil and drain, even if it's only a temporary rent. I don't want this credit in the bank situation to continue because that's what annoyed a lot of people i think i want players picked for simply based is are you playing well with your club are you on form yes you deserve to be picked not this oh oh i'm just going to pick them even though they're not playing i think that 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 does a disservice then to the other players like you look at jamie finn it's it's still heartbreaking to see that she didn't make that world cup squad hayley nolan played every minute last year for london city lionesses in the championship one of their best players doesn't make the squad but yet players who haven't played Barely any minutes and months are brought into the squad. And that's what sort of clamoured and caused a lot of people to have controversy. The only thing I, I do hope, and if she is involved in the game, is if Sinead Farley's pulled into this squad, I just hope we can finally drop the uh, the whole situation of oh, she was only brought in late just because it's the World Cup because
0: I wanted to ask you about that because we have a, a number of players, four definite um potential includees in the squad. Um Denise Sullivan, Sinead Farley, Marissa Shiva, Kyrie. Kira Carusa, uh, all playing in the NWSL. Nicole Douglas is in our list as well, purely because she's Irish eligible. But uh, will we see four for those mentioned uh, listed in the squad? Will Farley be in? He's, she's definitely good enough. Um, will those four make themselves available? I'd expect Denise Sullivan, sort of been Irish-born, to um, Marissa Shiva. Well, it's, um, it's an
1: official international. It's an official international window, so. I would expect them all to be available, if uh, unless unless they pull up injured, I would expect them all to make themselves available. Will she pick Sinead Farley? I'm gonna be honest, which i would be disappointed if she doesn't. Yeah. and that's being honest, which i would be disappointed if she doesn't. Like I got to spend a little bit of time with Sinead pre pre Australia before after the last game in Australia, and one of the media days, and like when you see the clamor of of the abuse that come towards it, just because. It wasn't her decision. She wasn't the one who who, who who decided to bring her in late. That was Vera's call. And to see the people sort of taken out because Sinead was picked ahead of Jamie. Listen, I don't agree that Jamie shouldn't have been left out of 23. I would have, would have had Jamie in. But when you see things like the personal attacks towards some of the players, I think that was a little bit... It's probably a bit emotional from certain fans. And that was the one thing I didn't like. So I sort of hope. She comes back. She plays again. She plays more for Ireland. So then people can move on from that and say, oh, she only come for the World Cup. Marissa Shiva is probably the, is, is probably the interesting one because I think Marissa could be a little bit on the chopping block when it comes to Ireland having They have a fully fit squad. Will she get in? Won't she get in? She could be on the cut line. There's no doubt she offers us. She offers us. She definitely offers us a lot good. But then when it likes Leanne Kernan is fully fit. Leanne Kernan has to be back in there. Will Ella Malloy come back in? Jesse when she's fully fit, will Jessie come back in? And there's a lot of questions. I do suspect Eva Mannion. She will be back in and around that. has sort of traveled to Australia. She was going around following the Irish. So I do, I do think Aoife will be back in. The quest, the question for me though is, will, will the Fordham from America be in? I'd probably say yes. And yeah, I, I'd
0: probably I like Shiva. Like I think the pace, just pure pace that she has. She's a four hundred meter runner as well. Um, for half the season in the, in the NCAA back in her college days and and impressive times. I think she'll be. I think she'll be in an Ireland squad if she's selected for an Ireland squad. I think I think she I should.
1: Don't, yeah, I don't think she, she won't come. I think I I do think she has to offer more for Ireland. I think she can do more, but then again, that just comes down to is a how is a how Ireland are set up in the World Cup to, that didn't really suit because there's no she's not a rifle, she's not a, a, a wingback. There's no. no if buts, or maybe. No, and not. the one thing I will say is she was a scapegoat in in, in Sydney and to see her come on against Canada and that's see her. I, I was delighted because I, I, I felt so sorry for her after that, the way she was made a scapegoat when it was For me, it's not her fault. If I'm put in that situation as well, I'm probably going to do the same thing because I'm not experienced at defending that sort of thing. So, I do think she needs to offer more, offer Ireland more, but if Ireland play a more positive system, I think it'll definitely help her. It'll definitely help her to actually offer more for Ireland. I'd like to see what she can offer with with a team that are playing a little bit bef- better football and just playing so defensive and See, see what she's really capable of, and like, listen. I let's hope put, she's. I...
0: Let's put your head in the block for a moment. Uh, World Cup squad twenty three. Obviously, your Gorman's retired, so we have twenty two of them. Who's in and who's out from that squad? Oh, it's a difficult, it's a difficult question. I don't. I, 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 I give you the three extra players as well: Sophie and, and Jamie, and
1: well, Harriet's gone. Harriet's Harriet's sort of stepped away from football now to concentrate on her medical her medical career. I, I don't know without actually in detail studying it. I would say probably, I'd say probably 20 out of 23 will be named. Though. I do think 20 out of 23 will be named. There's a couple, couple of players I'm, I'm a bit unsure about. Will they, won't they? I do definitely think Jamie Hayley Nolan will come back in as well.
0: So they're the, they're the two that you expect to kind of see coming in to the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, we might leave it there because we're running out of time. And I do want to get to the FAI Cup fixtures at the weekend. Um. Plenty to look forward to over the next week, though. Do buy your tickets. Get to the game uh, Saturday week, 1 o'clock kickoff in the Aviva. Great day for anybody, particularly the young, young girls. Give them the opportunity to go in. If they're into football or into sports, any sport, because it's a gateway drug. <laughs> you, well, I don't care what sports they play. Get them into sport as early as they can and get them aiming high uh, to be at that level, whatever they're chosen sport might be. Fixtures for the FAI Cup quarter-finals at the weekend. Shells versus DLR Waves. That's 2 o'clock in Talca Park on Saturday. Hopefully the stream is working for that. Goes and Sligo Rovers 3 o'clock on, uh, in Daily Mount just up the road. Uh, it's a pity they didn't make it 4 because You could get to both. Uh, Athlone Town versus Piedmont United 7 o'clock uh, in Athlone Town uh, while on Sunday, Shamrock Rovers make the trip down to Cork. Uh, for their clash in Turner's Cross. Um, there's clear favourites in nearly all of these games. Uh, it has the potential to be a bit of a week of, like last week where uh, two or three very one-sided games. Um,
1: I think I no, no, I think there'll be two clear winners in Shelburne and Shamrock Rovers. If you'd asked me four or five weeks ago, I'd have said there'd be a clear winner in Bows and Sligo. Both, team, both teams just on absolutely poor form at the minute. Uh, that sort of throws me a little bit of a conundrum to, if Bowes can see it early, could they find themselves in a bit of trouble? That would be the question I'd have to add. They should be favourites and should come through it. But I don't think it'll be as easy as as we think. And then in the other game, you can toss a coin. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I do think James O'Callaghan goes full strength for the simple fact that He's no league game next week. He's got a bit of a break then after the international that he doesn't play again until the 7th of October. So I do think James O'Callaghan goes full strength. If there was another league game next week, he may not. So I do think he will. This game probably could go to extra t- could go to extra time, maybe even penalties. I do see Piedmont just snaking it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Athlone do cause an upset. But I do see Piedmont winning.
0: Yeah, you know, Athlone came into it in fine form with their 5 0 win last weekend. Both sides, of course, had 5 0 wins last weekend, so plenty to look forward to in that. Mm-hmm. Um, If you head on the block, we've said she- Shells and Shamrock Rovers more than likely go through. We're edging towards bows. I feel, from that conversation. Um, So is that the, the four you're expecting to see through Shamrock Rovers, PMount, Bowes, and Shells? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, but if there's,
1: if there's to be any upset, it's going to be Athlone.
0: Okay. In terms of the. The title challenge and and the the cup double is pmount is that a how much would that mean to pmount and to the players who stayed at pmount uh if they were to go win a double this year given what we were saying about them we were definitely writing them off at the start of the season
1: yeah um the, the one thing I will say is they they'll tell you they'll tell you right now if you ask them they tell you they couldn't care less about a double I think that's that's their attitude they're probably going around that's what they're they saying. say yeah, no, but that, that but that's the that's the mentality that they have at the minute is that they don't really care about it. double. I think for them, the most important thing is if they get through this weekend, is can they seal that league? Can they seal that league title before the FA before a potential FAI Cup semi-final? Then they can start to dream. But it mean everything. It mean everything. And you look at people like Dennis Cummins, you know, Mr. P the, the Piment P women's team against the World Room, you know, people like that. The commitment for James. James could have easily walked away after what happened in the last couple of years, and sort of said, "Listen, enough's enough." Then you got people like Nivry Burke, just an absolute stellar player in this league. And for me, I think if Pima were to win the win the league this year never mind the cup, I think it'd probably be the sweetest, sweetest league victory for them of the lot. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. I no, think... I, I think you're 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 right. I think it will be a. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. But I, I like that the three I suppose heavy hitters are still left in the cup shells: Shamrock Rovers and Pima. I think that's going to be probably the cup the competition over the next few weeks and months. you now the only
1: you now the only funny thing is. Is that none of them drew each other I was convinced two of them were going to draw against each other I was convinced <laughs> And then when I see them all being kept apart It was like you've wow, Hot shocked. balls,
0: cold balls They all go in, you pick one The only one. thing
1: is though If if they all if the three of them win We're guaranteed to see one of them meet in the semi-finals
0: Yeah, but it, it does set up the potential For a really exciting semi-final draw as well uh, In a couple of days Question for you Go on
1: Shamrock Rovers like make the cup final Okay What'll it be
0: like? Because it'll be mayhem for tickets. Could you imagine Shamrock Rovers and Bows in a cup final? And it's not beyond the level think, of possibility. I
1: don't think. I think the FAI would be forced to move it if that was the case. Where, where is it set for? It's set it. Tala. I don't think the FAI would let that happen at Tala.
0: Oh, if it's set, it's set. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. I, I think it's the right venue for it. And potentially you could fill it. And how much would it be for a women's FAI cup? To fill that game out there, it'd be a nightmare for policing and stewarding and stuff. But it would be absolutely manic. Now the only problem Bombers. is it, it might not be quite as competitive for Bowes uh, against Shamrock Rovers on current form and that. But, but listen, we can dream about these situations. At seven or eight thousand. Well, people, remember they did draw on the league. True that's the dream, isn't it? It's a full Tala stadium on, on the cup final day, no matter who's going to be in it. Um, final word, And I don't want to end on a sour note, but, a uh, bit, bit of disappointment for a couple of Irish players in Europe this week. Um, Arsenal surprised; they were beaten by Paris on penalties. Katie McCabe out of the um, Champions League, and unfortunately for them, I, I saw them being added to the a group post draw for the Continental League Cup in England. That's not <laughs> the best for them. It's like it's like going, oh yeah, we we put you out of this because you'd be playing Champions League, and now we're actually going to have to put you back into it. Uh, that's kind of a bit. It was, sort of, it was sort of one of
1: them little, little, the shotgun was ready, waiting as soon as the full time whistle. But I didn't get to see the Arsenal game because I was actually in London for the day myself. But when you look at, I was following on social media that they equalized, they equalized again, goes to penalties, you're starting of wow. Then, just on, on a positive note, though, with the likes of uh, Emily Whelan, Claire Walsh getting through to the next round, Aoife Colville making some appearances last week for, for Glasgow, sort of continuing her recovery from ACL as well. So, like, There's positive for some Irish. It wasn't all negative.
0: On a positive note, though, for Katie McCabe, uh, the ball in for, I think, the second goal was absolutely inch perfect. We'll take a couple of them in 10 days in the Aviva Stadium. Uh, For Shells, though, we haven't really talked about it much in terms of um, the show, which is weird because we did give a top billing. But in in terms of um, their performance, uh, thoughts? Crippled by...
1: Crippled by the fact of they're just constantly being good in the last couple of years. Brought too many players in, trying to sort of mix and match players. It's difficult, but not a lot of time in between it. You can play all the pre-season friendly, the mid-season friendlies, and, and they've limited game time. I think the biggest difference between shells and Glasgow is probably full-time
0: football. 2-0 down, 25 minutes to go. A couple of strange substitutions if you're chasing a game.
1: Yes and, yes and no, but then again, Noel has made strange substitutions many a times. Sometimes they've worked magic from other times they haven't. Um, Shell's probably just ran out of legs and, you know, I think that was the biggest thing. They just ran out of legs and he needs to replace players. The biggest thing, their bench isn't, strong, their bench isn't that strong. So you have to have the options of bringing on quality. So sometimes it's, it's going to be players that maybe we don't expect that do come on. Um, young Hannah Healy, obviously, as we said last week, the youngest player to play Champions League football on them. But I think the most important thing was to finish with a high and finish with a 3-0 win against Cardiff. I think that was probably the most important thing.
0: Absolutely. Well, listen, Aaron, thanks again for joining us. We'll be chatting again next week ahead of that key game between Ireland and Northern Ireland. We'll talk to you then.